Good morning. I welcome you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come together on this, what we call Transfiguration Sunday, as we prepare for the season of Lent starting in just a couple of days. Uh, speaking of Lent, we will kick off Lent on, on uh, Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock here in the church for our Ash Wednesday service. And everyone is welcome to join us. We'll probably be here in the church for that. Bible study will continue on healing in the Bible on Tuesday mornings. It's, and that also happens here at the church and everyone is welcome to come. On Tuesday evening, we'll have our worship committee meeting at 6 p.m., followed by council meeting at 7. Uh, council members, I got most of you, but there are draft copies of the annual report at the back for you to look at before Tuesday evening. Sunday evening prayer services continue tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, UCW, United Church Women, are meeting in the kitchen after the service, and all are welcome to stay. Our annual meeting is coming up on March 19th, and that'll be after church. And we'll, there'll be, a, I think we're talking about having a light lunch being provided. We'll have more details after Tuesday. I'm jumping around my sheet here, so what have I done so far? Um, I'm told by our finance committee that our memorial fund is getting low on funds, and we use that money to pay for various little things. So if, you're in, if you are able and want to, uh, a memorial donation is, is welcome. I believe we're organizing a small committee to help clean the kitchen after the work's been done. So if there, when are you doing that, Grace? Saturday? Saturday, this Saturday. This Saturday. At 10 o'clock. Okay, 10 in the morning. Okay. 10 o'clock Saturday morning. If you can bring your own cloths and stuff like that, would be helpful. Okay. All right. Just clean cupboards and dishes and whatnot after the work has been done. All right. Anything else to share? We do. Melvina has a birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Melvina. <laughs> Let's just take a moment then to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. Light of Christ candle. Jesus Christ walks among us. He brings light into our lives as he stands transfigured on the mountaintop with his disciples. Please join together with me in a responsive psalm. I think it's 41. It is Psalm 41. Blessed are those who consider the poor. God will protect them in time of trouble. God will protect them and keep them alive, so that they are counted happy in 
God will never give them up to the will of their enemies. God, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies in battle say to me, When will you die and your name perish? If any come to see me, they speak insincerely. Their heart gathers mischief. Then they go out and spread it abroad. They say that a deadly thing is fastened upon me, that I will rise up no more from where I lie. Even the friend I trusted, who laid bread at my table, has found slander about you. Heal me, O God, for I have sinned against you. God, have mercy upon me. By this I shall know that you favor me, and that my enemy shall not triumph over me. Because of my integrity, you are holy. You have set me in your presence forever. Heal me, O God, for I have sinned against you. Let's join together in prayer. As you promised to be with us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to worship you, to listen to your word, and to pray in faith that we might grow in our love for you and for one another. Amen. Opening hymn this morning is We Have Come at Christ's Own Bidding.
The scripture today is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, starting at verse 24, and continuing to chapter 17, verse 8. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, you will destroy it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. What will you gain if you own the whole world but destroy yourself? What would you give to get back your soul? The Son of Man will soon come in the glory of his Father and with his angels to reward all people for what they have done. I promise you that some of those standing here will not die before they see the Son of Man coming with his kingdom. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the brothers James and John with him. They went up on a very high mountain where they could be alone. There in front of the disciples, Jesus was completely changed. His face was shining like the sun and his clothes became white as light. All at once, Moses and Elijah were there talking with Jesus. So Peter said to them, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, the shadow of a bright cloud passed over them. From the cloud, a voice said, This is my own dear son, and I am pleased with him. Listen to what he says. When the disciples heard the voice, they were so afraid that they fell flat on the ground. But Jesus came over and touched them. He said, get up and don't be afraid. When they opened their eyes, they saw only Jesus. The word of the Lord. <coughs>
Let us pray. Lord, we do gather here to celebrate you, to praise you, to receive that what you have for us. For us. So Lord, as we gather around your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Now, I don't know if any of you have heard what is happening right now in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's been going on for 11 days. Now, if I'm talking about the United States and something going on for a couple of weeks, you may be thinking, well, it's a riot or a protest or something based on racism or violence. But in this case, that is not what is happening. What's happening in Wilmore, Kentucky is started on Wednesday, February 8th on the campus of Asbury University. Asbury is a private Christian school that, which includes a seminary. And on that particular Wednesday, there is the usual one of three campus church services that happen every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. There's nothing out of the ordinary about this Wednesday gathering. There's no special guest speakers. There's no special music or anything like that. It's just a typical worship service in the life of the school. And these services are attended by students and faculty and staff. And sometimes at the end of these services, a few people will hang around afterwards to chat and to pray together. And again, this week's service was nothing special. And this is what it looked like at the end of the service on, last, on Wednesday, February 8th. As you can see, there's a few people gathered around, a few people praying together. They're just there. That's what it normally looks like at the end of a Wednesday service. But then something started to happen. For some unknown reason, students came back to the chapel many of which asked the professors or faculty if they could go back to the, to the chapel from their classes. Now, this would be considered out of the ordinary. Even at a Christian college, this is out of the ordinary. But they went back to the chapel, and they kept worshiping. And did they ever worship? It has not stopped since then. 24 hours a day for 11 days, People have been flocking to the small college in Kentucky from all over the United States and even all over the world. They now have four overflow buildings open to handle the crowds. This is what the chapel looked like Thursday afternoon. Nine days later. People are calling this a revival of biblical proportions. Others are, calling, are hesitant to call it anything simply because they'll let history decide what the impact of this event is, what it, what it will have on campus, the country, maybe even the world. But one thing those in attendance can agree upon is that this, this is a powerful encounter with God. It is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what is happening? Why, why do people keep coming? There's no particular leadership of this event. I've even heard rumors that they've turned away offers from big-name pastors who offered to come and speak. What they're doing is led by the students, almost exclusively by the students. They're singing songs. They're just picking them out of the air and just singing them as the Lord leads them. And they just keep singing until someone else gets a song and then they sing a different song. 
I tuned in to watch some of it on Friday afternoon. What did we watch? Maybe about an hour or so on Friday afternoon. There's not a hymn book in sight. There's no, there's no screens anywhere. You can't see it in that picture, but there's no screens. Just people singing passionately with minimal instrumental support. It just depends on the song being sung, how much music they actually have, instrumental. And as you look over the room, you see people praying for and with each other. People are coming up on stage to offer their testimonies of what God is doing in their lives that week, this week. It is exuberant worship. There's no fancy production. There's no words on screens. There's no flashing lights. There's no fog machines or anything like that. There's no pastor. There's no bulletin. It's just an undeniable encounter with the holy. In the middle of last week, a recent graduate from Asbury University took the stage. He's from Brazil, and he tells his struggles since he graduated. You know, he's, he's alone in America. There's no family with him. He has no job. He has no money. But he felt moved to come back for this. And who wouldn't, I guess? But he shared on stage how God had met him in a powerful way. In back when he returned back for this. As he finished, somebody yelled from the balcony, called out his name, and threw something at him. It was money, a wad of cash. And then more people started coming forward down the aisles and giving him money. Now, we don't know how much money he ultimately got, but it had to be a lot. Judging by the numbers that were told came forward, it had to be at least in the thousands of dollars. Just a outpouring of generosity for this young man. This is still going on. 11 days later, 24 hours a day, the chapel is filled with people who are hungry, who are starving for an encounter with God. People have come from all across the state, the country, and the world to experience this. Now, we we don't know what the lasting impact will be on the church. But what we do know is that people will be talking about this for decades. There will be more and more stories emerging about how lives are touched by an encounter with Jesus Christ while they were here. And it's not only happening here, it's starting to bubble up at other universities as well. Hearing the stories that are coming out of this event remind me of the two nights we hosted back here in September 2019. Two powerful nights where the presence of God filled this church. And now, maybe we were only here for two or three hours, right? But that was an hour or two longer than we intended to be here, as we sang extra songs, as people came forward for prayer. It may not have lasted for weeks on end, but we did experience something in this church that was a powerful presence of God. And other Christians joined us from other churches while we did this. If we open ourselves up to the quiet prompting of God, our lives can change. If we allow Jesus to speak into our heart, our lives can change. Now, I know change can be scary. Change means things are different. Change means we need to give something up. Change means we need to learn something new. Change is scary. We like our routines. We like what we do. We, we like our lives. We, we like how comfortable we are. So we naturally resist change. Why do I need to change? 
Now, change happens for a variety of reasons, some for the good, some for the not so good. But God is inviting us into a new life through his son, Jesus Christ. And for that to truly happen and take place, to make a difference, it means things need to change. In the Gospel of Matthew 16, chapter 16, we read this this morning. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? The people are flocking to Wilmore, Kentucky, and they're looking for something. There's this nagging feeling inside them that tells them they need more. They feel like there's something missing. So they look to find what it is that's missing. And they're seeking God as an answer. Their souls are longing for it. And they think they will find it on this college campus. And they do not want to miss out. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. That's the invitation he gives to his followers in Matthew 16. So what does it mean to deny yourself? To deny yourself is to release your selfish desires, to release our sin, to release the hold the world has on us. It means things change. Does this mean we stop being happy? No, of course not. It means we're releasing the chains that bind us from turning to Christ as our source of life. And when we do that, we find a peace, a joy, a love that we cannot find anywhere else. So what about taking up this cross? Does this mean we're taking on pain and suffering? No. It means we're willing to do what it takes in order to follow Jesus. The disciples don't know the meaning of the cross at this point. They know that the cross is an instrument of torture used by the Romans to inflict pain and death upon criminals. But they don't realize what is coming for Jesus. They don't realize that their friend, their teacher, will die an agonizing death on the cross. They don't know this yet. Jesus is saying there there are things you must be willing to sacrifice in order to follow him. So it's about change. Following Jesus requires change in our lives. It means giving things up. But it also means taking on new things from God, life-giving things from God. It was about a week later, Jesus took James, Peter, and John for a walk. And they took a walk up a tall, high mountain. And when they got to the top, Jesus physically changed. We're told his face shone brightly like the sun. And his clothes turned a pure, dazzling white. No one has ever seen this before or since. Jesus was transfigured, we call it. His figure changed. He was transformed into a glimpse of of his true self, his true body, into his true glory. What a sight that must have been to see. And then two others appeared and joined him. They were Moses and Elijah. They stood there talking to Jesus. Now wouldn't it be wonderful to know what they were talking about, but we don't find out that information from Scripture. 
The disciples, though, they're, they're amazed, they're awestruck, they're dumbstruck. They recognize that there's something pretty special happening right here. They do not want it to end. They want to stop time and stay there as long as humanly possible. So they offer to build some tents so that everyone can stay and rest and relax together, keep it going forward. Can you blame them? But it doesn't last forever. And just as they finish speaking, a cloud gathers over the mountaintop. And there's a voice. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. God has spoken. And the disciples fall to the ground in fear at this, you know, this disembodied voice. And Jesus comes to them. He touches them. And he says, get up. Don't be afraid. And they lift their heads and see Jesus is alone again. For generations, we focused on Jesus, his transfiguration, and what it means as he prepares to walk down the mountain to Jerusalem for the final time. This encounter marks a significant change in the ministry and the life of Jesus. From this moment on, he knows every step he takes is towards his death. But what about the disciples? What is the impact the transfiguration has on them? As you read on through the gospel stories, you could say, well, not very much, clearly, because they continue to stumble and make mistakes and question things. And they just, and they still even leave Jesus alone on the day of his trial, his punishment, and his death. But the image of Jesus on the mountaintop, transfigured, remains in their memory. They haven't quite seen it all just yet. They've not experienced everything Jesus has to offer just yet. Now, for the most part, they've been following him, learning from him as what they see as a great mentor, a teacher, a friend. He's done some pretty amazing things. But the transfiguration is the first real glimpse into who Jesus truly is as the Son of God. Now, that kind of experience is going to stick with you. And when they finally encounter the risen Christ... On Easter morning, when they see him in the flesh, alive after his death on the cross, it begins to make some sense. And when they finally receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it all comes together. The final piece of the puzzle falls into place, and they see it. They remember it all, and they understand. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one God sent to save the world. And once they see it all, then they're able to continue his work. And the church is born. And revival begins. Now we're left with their memories, their stories as recorded in the Bible. They tell us what they have experienced, what they saw, what they heard with their own voices. They tell us the stories of their time when they followed Jesus, walking with him from town to town, healing people and seeing miracles and all kinds of things. And then we have the stories after that, the letters they wrote. When they walked the streets on their own and together as disciples or apostles, after Jesus had left them to ascend to heaven. And then we read how they continued his work, 
how they trusted in God's power, God's wisdom, God's spirit to lead them as they go. As for Peter, James, and John, the experience of the, transformed Je- the transfigured Jesus, talking with Moses, talking with Elijah, is forever seared into their brains. And it's made even more powerful when they fully realize exactly who Jesus is after his death and resurrection. Now, we may never see this in our own lifetimes, but we have their stories. The stories from when they walked with Jesus, right there in the flesh. We have their faithful witness. We see how they bumbled and stumbled through their way, trying to understand what Jesus was doing and saying trying to understand the amazing things they saw, the feeding of 5,000 people, the healing of people, blind people could see, people raised from the dead. They saw it all. And then Jesus telling them that you'll do these things too. And trying to put it all together. It's so complicated for our simple human brains. But then we pick up and flip a few more pages in our Bible and we see After God gifted them with the Holy Spirit, they figured it out. After they truly believed and knew he is the one and only Son of God, he is the Messiah. We see how they changed. We see how they went from almost like comedic caricatures through the Gospels to being great leaders in the church, confident and boldly telling their stories so others may also believe. We see them but we can't see ourselves as them. They changed, but only after Jesus left them to return to heaven, only after Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. That's when they changed. That's when the stories, the experiences, the walks in the mountains, that's when it all came together and they understood and they changed. Now, we don't need to walk with Jesus to the mountaintop. He'll meet us right here, right now. He'll meet us in chapels, in places all over the world, if we let him. If we listen to that kind of nagging little feeling we have deep inside us, that feeling that tells us we need more, that feeling that causes us to wonder just what else there might be. That feeling is the feeling of our soul that longs for a deeper relationship with God. It is the feeling that causes hundreds, even thousands of people to get in their cars and drive to Kentucky to be part of something bigger than themselves, bigger than this world. It may be the feeling we're having today as we worship our God in this church. The transfiguration of Jesus on the mountaintop is a clear sign of something more. The disciples were amazed and afraid because they could not put it all together. But later on, they do. And their lives are forever changed. And the world is forever changed as God acts through them. Just as God can act through us, changing us, changing our church, changing our community, and possibly even changing the world. I remember an old cartoon that I haven't seen in a long time, but I only watched maybe a couple episodes of it called Pinky and the Brain. And all I really remember is that there were two lab mice who would go out on adventures that night when the lab was closed. And I also remember their catchphrase. Pinky would ask the brain to go 
what are we going to do tonight? And the brain would reply, same thing we do every night. Try and take over the world. They're, of course, talking about world domination. We're acting with a similar goal, but our approach may be just a little bit different. Our goal as followers of Jesus is to take over the world, but with God's love, God's compassion, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. We do this so others will receive the joy of God in their own lives. So they may have their own personal encounter with him. As we ourselves seek God in our own lives as we follow the leadership and teachings of Jesus Christ. What's happening in Wilmore, Kentucky is nothing new. It's happened before. It's even happened in that same chapel 50 years ago. It'll happen here. It'll happen again, anywhere, if we are open to it. I just want to go back to the first photo there, if you could, Bev. I zoomed in a little bit and I counted maybe about 25 people after the service, immediately following the service. And maybe about half of them are engaged in prayer. But then people came back. When they left the chapel, there's something stirring inside of them they could not ignore. They couldn't shake. They couldn't let go of that feeling. They had to go back. So one person walked in, then another, then another, then a few dozen more, and then hundreds, and then we get what we saw again on Thursday. Nine days later. They needed more space, more rooms, more buildings, and live streams were set up, and the people just kept coming. Now at some point it will end. No one knows when. There was a prayer meeting that happened that lasted 100 years, 24-7. That was a little while ago, though. At some point, everybody will leave the, that chapel, that campus, and go back to school, go back to work, go home, whatever. But they will never forget their encounter with their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ while they were here. For most of the audience, their lives are forever changed now by this encounter with Jesus Christ in that space. How has Jesus worked in your life? How have you experienced him in a life-changing way? Do you want that feeling again? Or maybe you're looking for it for the first time. What is happening in your soul? What is that feeling deep down inside of you asking you for more? To know more, to feel more. This is your soul reaching out to God. The, God, the, the soul God gave you the soul that seeks to reconnect with its creator. May our hearts be open today to explore, to engage that stirring that we feel deep inside of us. Don't ignore it. Don't try to push it aside. It's your body telling you there is more. And God can fulfill that longing. God can fill the void you feel and he will fill it with his love. Late, late one night last week, the crowd sang yet another song, but it's a simple song, a song we've even sung here. It's called Sanctuary. In a few minutes, we're going to spend some time in prayer. As we, and as we start to move our hearts together in prayer, I'm just going to invite you to sing that chorus with me. 
as we invite our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to come into our lives today. You want to bring that up? <clears throat> Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, <coughs> with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. I invite you to just keep singing that, repeating those words in your heart as we gather for prayer. Lord, we gather today thankful for your spirit that walks and stirs among us. Thankful that we are just so blessed by you to be able to gather and worship, to hear your word, to celebrate your love in our lives. Lord, ultimately we know what we do here is not all that different than what's happening in, in, at Asbury University. That your spirit is there in abundance and your spirit is here in abundance with us. So Lord, we turn our hearts to you that we may feel that that we may know you're ever with us and that you walk with us each and every day. Lord, we ask you today to speak to our hearts, to show us how we are to move, to act, to live as your followers as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, the one you sent to be our light, to be our guide, our teacher, to be our life. Lord, we walk with you. We, we seek to follow him. It is a challenge at times, O oh God, but we ask you, O oh God, to speak again to our hearts to let us know what it is we must do to be faithful followers of Jesus. Are there things we need to give up? Are there things we need to start doing? Lord, in your great wisdom, we ask your spirit to guide us to show us the way forward as your people. Lord, we open our hearts to you. Help us to be a sanctuary for you.
Lord, we also come to pray for others and even ourselves. For the needs of this world are great. Lord, we pray that that stirring in our hearts leads us to do great and wonderful things in your name. As we seek to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to keep warm those who are cold, O oh God. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who need your presence in their room right now, who feel alone and scared, worried. Lord, we pray for caregivers, for friends, for family who are watching over those who, need, who are in need right now. Lord, we pray for those places in this world that are living in pain and suffering. We pray for Turkey and Syria. Lord, may your healing be upon all those who are suffering right now. And Lord, may those who are still alive in the rumble be found, rubble be found soon. Lord, we pray for the war in Ukraine. We pray, O oh God, for peace to come out still. We keep praying for peace. And it's not just Ukraine. But there's many other places in the world that feel like they know nothing but violence. And so we pray for peace in your world, your creation. We pray, O oh God, that hearts will be softened and that love will be received and love will be shared. And Lord, we pray for our planet. We pray for things like COVID, against things like COVID. We pray uh, for the climate crisis, oh God. We pray, oh God, that your healing will come to this entire world, to all people, to all things, to all places. God, there is nowhere that your love cannot touch in this world. So help us to be agents of that love as best we can in this place where we serve you. Lord, we ask your presence, your spirit to be felt in our hearts. We pray, O oh God, that if we feel that longing in our soul, that we will reach out to you and receive all that you have for us. Bless us, O oh God. Bless us, O oh God, as we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Amen. Let's stand and sing together when we are living. As we gather our hearts together in our time of worship, we come ever thankful for everything God has blessed us with. And now we give back to God a portion of that which belongs to him. Our offering will now be received. You may be seated.
Let us pray. Lord of love and peace, we commit ourselves to you with all our hearts and all we have. Take our offering this day and use it to fulfill your will. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn today is I Feel the Winds of God. that we will be gathering back here tonight at 7 o'clock for an evening of prayer. And you are all, of course, welcome. And all are welcome. Anyone from anywhere is welcome to join us in prayer tonight. Let's go today. Being people of God's love, following the light of Jesus Christ that points the way, that shows us where to go into the darkness and bring God's love, his light, and his joy. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, and each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.